I realized right then and there that if I kept doing that, it was unsustainable and I might have a bunch of money, but everything else in my life would suck. You have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. Discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Brought to you by your host, Dorothy Ilson. What's up and welcome. On this show, my guests are all very different, but they share one important understanding that achieving tremendous financial success and making a massive difference can go hand in hand. They believe, as I do, that creating wealth is the greatest multiplier in your ability to maximize your positive impact on the world and to experience a truly fulfilled life. Today, we have the honor of speaking with one of my most valued and trusted mentors, Jason Hornug. Jason is truly the definition of a self-made man. In 2003, he was 23 years old and selling cell phones at a shopping mall kiosk. Fast forward to present day, Jason is now known as the guy behind the gurus. Having built one of the world's top Facebook advertising agencies, Jason has spent over $30 million on Facebook ads for his clients who are some of the biggest names in online marketing, including Frank Kern, Mike Dillard, Neil Patel, Todd Brown, and more. He also founded the Academy of Advertising to teach others how to run profitable Facebook ad campaigns, a business that now does well over six figures per month in revenue. Jason is passionate about giving back, not only through helping others to build their own businesses, but also by contributing to causes that are near and dear to his heart, such as child hunger. Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really excited to have you. Hey, thanks for having me, Dorothy. I appreciate being here. Why don't you go ahead and expound on that intro and tell us a little more about yourself? Oh, boy. Well, I mean, I've been been in business now, like you said, since I was 23. So that's been about 15 years now. It just do, I started in the insurance business and kind of built that business up by learning direct response marketing. Um, it started with reading some of Dan Kennedy's books, which I actually still have. The first one that I bought right here, The Ultimate Sales Letter. And I learned how to write letters using Dan's formula. And I would send these letters out to get leads for my insurance business and kind of grew that. And over the years, I really got to enjoy marketing and grew kind of a distaste in my mouth for the insurance business and ended up leaving the insurance business in 09 to pursue marketing online fully. And just kind of a whole set of weird circumstances occurred during that pursuit, which led me into starting an agency to help people with marketing. And one thing kind of led to another. And in 2013, I came across Facebook ads and put all my attention into that and started getting really good results. And then five years later, I'm this Facebook guru guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've obviously been extremely successful. So I'd like to actually start right at the beginning. Could you talk a little bit about what beliefs around money that your family instilled in you growing up and how those were either helpful or harmful to you in achieving success? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in a pretty poor family. I think my dad made about $20,000 a year when I was a kid. Like we did not have good beliefs around money. My dad has a very scarcity mindset. And so it like money, it not only was it scarce, but it was also a thing that you weren't supposed to ask for or receive anything from anybody at all. 
So he, he taught me at a very young age that it was not okay for me to ask for money to go to movies with my friends and things like that, or even clothes that I wanted to wear that weren't from Walmart. So yeah, actually, he forced me to start working on my uncle's farm when I was 12 so I could pay for my own clothes and things like that because he didn't want to have to do that for me. So that programming really drove me to be self-sufficient and not rely on anybody. And I think that that has you know, contributed to my success. That It's one of those kind of more of a negative driver, but I'm okay with that because I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by people that have a different kind of mindset and are more abundant mindset. And they've allowed me to adopt that mindset and get out of that scarcity place that a lot of people live in, which really prevents them from being successful. So what advice would you give to someone who is stuck in that kind of scarcity mindset to help make that transition into thinking more abundantly? Well, the first part is giving is really coming to the conclusion that you really don't have much control in your life. A lot of people think that they can control every circumstance that they have, and that's not really the case. The only thing that you can control is the way that you think about things and the choices that you make. And so when you start to believe that you can do that, then you can start to think differently around money and understand that money is an inanimate object. It's not like people get that whole quote wrong from the Bible. They say that the money is the root of all evil is how they shorten it. No, 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 no. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. There's a big difference. Money is an inanimate object, but when you call money the root of all evil, then what you do is you assign that as an animate object and it's not. Money only has the assignment that we give to it and money is an exchange of value. Okay, so most people think that money should be an exchange of, I want more, so I should get more. And then they become frustrated because they don't get more just because they want it. Money is an exchange of value. So when you make yourself more valuable, you increase your skill sets, you provide more value to your employer if you are in an employment situation, or if you're an entrepreneur, if you create products and services that give more value to people than what you charge for them, then it's very easy to sell those products and services. And it's very easy to attract money into your life because you're creating more value than what you're asking for in exchange for that value. And when you can finally get to that place of understanding that, that's what really opens up abundance mindset and eliminates scarcity because you know that you can go out and create value and monetize that value in some way, shape, or form. What would you say is another big misconception that young people have about achieving financial success? That it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, like, you know, in the social media world that we live in today, like the people that market a lot of these, you know, business opportunity type products and stuff like that is they use a lot of lifestyle marketing and they make it look like all they ever did was just travel around and do cool stuff and fun things and and then all this money starts pouring in. And that is like the very, very, very small surface level of something that happens after you've done a whole bunch of work before that. Like, and a lot of people think today, like, well, yeah, you know, I, I just went from this guru or to, into this guru overnight and it's not. It's like all these different things that I had done for a decade before I got to that point contributed to me being able to take advantage of that opportunity that was in front of me then and leverage it properly. 
And so like, you got to do the work, you got to do the work, you got to do the work. It's, it's building on a long-term, playing the long-term game, enacting some kind of plan, not knowing exactly what's going to go along the way, being flexible and, and amenable to it, but having some kind of clear goal that you're trying to get to, and then being willing to do what it takes to get there and not giving up when the first sign of failure or discomfort or dissatisfaction shows up. Because I, I see that a lot in the younger generation now is like, as soon as something goes wrong, it's like, no, I'm going to give up now. I'm going to go try something else because that thing don't work. So how do you push through those moments where you know it feels like you're just hitting so much resistance and nothing you're doing is working? You know, What is it about your mindset or, or the way that you approach problems that allows you to break through that resistance? Well, so I don't really look at, you know, something not working as a problem, I guess. And that's a big thing that I find is a difference between successful people and unsuccessful people. And I'm going to keep coming back to this topic is it's, it's all about how you think about things. And so if you think of something that you tried and it didn't work as a failure and you focus on all oh, this failed and all these things always fail and nothing ever works for me then what that does is that pulls you down and it doesn't allow you to learn what you should have learned from that experience and then make a, a next step decision. And everything that goes wrong is good as long as you're learning what you should learn from it. And then you're making a, an educated adjustment based on what you learned and making another try because that's how this stuff works. I can tell you right now, like a lot of people think it should work the first time, like with online marketing, for example, or ads. And it don't work that way. You know this. We've had situations where we've had to do thousands of iterations before we finally got an offer to convert profitably for us. It's crazy. So as an agency and having clients, you know, how do you make sure that you know, your clients understand that process and that it is going to take time and that they're so rare that you have a campaign where it's you know, your first campaign for the client and you just nailed out of the gates? You know, how do you go about kind of setting those expectations up front? Only take people that understand that, that it's a process in the first place. You can sniff that out on the sales call pretty easily. That takes a lot of discipline. Not everybody has that luxury at this point. When I first started, you could be a lot more selective because there wasn't very many people that were calling themselves agencies and Facebook experts and all this other stuff like there are now. Today, it's a completely, completely different ballgame. So what you got to do is you probably have to take some clients on you know, where they're not necessarily in that spot where they understand that. And if that's the case, then what you have to do is you have to educate those people on that on the sales call before they ever become a client. And then when they do become a client, you have to constantly keep re-educating them on that because every time $100 is spent, if there isn't a sale working out, usually the people that don't understand that are going to be freaking out, right? And there's all kinds of little weirdnesses that come up like that. So it's all really just having clear, effective communication that's up front with the client throughout the entire process. Makes complete sense. So, you know, looking at your personal goals that you've reached for throughout your career, how would you say that you define financial freedom now? And is that different from how you defined it when you were first starting out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because like, when I first started out, I defined it as a dollar figure and it was 10 grand a month, just like a lot of people say, you know, you're like, oh, if I can just make 10 grand a month, then all my problems are going to be solved, right? 
So that like in the get go, that was the case. And then I achieved that. And then it was like, well, I want 20 grand a month then 50 grand a month then a hundred grand a month and a quarter million a month. And it like those things never stop. So that was like several years of my life was chasing and achieving those goals. And then last year I had a, you know, a really big epiphany at the end of the year. Cause like, or in the middle of the year, cause I, w- I went hiking in Italy with my wife and some of our friends and stuff. And we were climbing all these mountains in the Dolomites. I'm literally standing on the top of the world and I'm looking around I'm like, Oh crap, I've achieved like every financial goal I've ever wanted. And then it was like a really kind of a paradigm shift. And it really destroyed a lot of the ways that I, I don't have a relationship to money where I love money. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as a tool, but I had always kind of assigned all my financial goals to like dollar figure amounts that I made per month because it was always easy to you know measure that way. So what I decided, you know, what I really realized last year was that for me now, what's way more important is just freedom in my life more than a certain dollar figure. Now that's also a little bit easier for me to say at this point because I've been fortunate enough to where, you know, we've saved enough where I wouldn't necessarily have to work another day if I didn't want to at this point. So like, that's how I really define that is being able to work because I want to, not because I have to at this point. So what would you say is your biggest motivator now at this point in your business, now that you have reached that point where you are able to just do it because you want to, what really drives you every day? Loving my customers. Okay. And so could you talk a little bit about how you have been able to get fulfillment from that piece of your business and and what that's done for you? Yeah. So like what I do is I spend all my time now on figuring out how we can improve all of the stuff that we do so that our customers get the best results possible. And the validation for me is every single day I get an email, a PM, some message on Facebook, text message, phone call, oftentimes multiples of them from customers and friends just talk, telling me how much I've helped them and improved their business. And for me, that is the goal in my life right now is, is that. And just knowing that I'm able to make an impact on people's lives and you know, help other people to achieve financial freedom and go out and do, you know, help others. Like a lot of a lot of our customers, like you know, Matt Pishock, for example, you know, they've been able to take our trainings, build little side businesses where they can leave their work, and then they've got like a lifestyle now where then they use their free time to go out and minister to people or to help homeless people and stuff like that. And it's really, really, really fulfilling for me to be able to see how like just for whatever reason, my skill set in being able to create ads and teach people how to do it for themselves has been able to help people in that way, but then also help impact other people for the greater good. It's powerful. And as you know, I can speak to that firsthand as, as you've coached me over the last, gosh, more than a year now. And the difference that it has made in, in my life has been shocking. So I definitely understand what you're saying there. So, you know, I was actually listening to an interview that you did a couple years ago where you mentioned that you had actually developed ulcers from the stress of growing a business. Mm -hmm. However, now I know one of the foundational principles that you teach your students is about the importance of balance and and making sure that you really get the fullest level of enjoyment out of life. So Mm -hmm. could you talk a little bit about that shift and how your definition of success has really changed as you've grown throughout your career? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had developed the ulcers when I was in, in the insurance business because they would send people down to my office like every day, like, how many life insurance policies have you sold today? <laughs> it's just like, 
come on, man, leave me alone. (laughs) So the stress of that, along with all the circumstance in my life, that really developed the ulcers. And then they would flare up a lot when I first started my ad agency because I, you know, I put the time in. I was, you know, at first I was working 15 hour days running everybody's campaigns myself and doing everything myself. And so that really would exacerbate the ulcers. All that stuff, like it it really kind of came to a head for me in June of 2013. Because it had gotten so bad, like I like we lived in Tucson at the time, and I was working so many hours, and our house was so hot that I started getting fungal growth on my body. Wow! From the sweat, yeah. And I had like I had ballooned up. I was at the biggest weight that I had ever been. I was really unhappy. Like my relationships in my life weren't that good, but I was starting to make money. And I realized right then and there that if I kept doing that, it was unsustainable. And I might have a bunch of money, but everything else in my life would suck. And so that's kind of when I started on the quest of really figuring out how to find balance in between all these things. And that's how how I developed the 888 principle that you learned in our course and our productivity things, because all that stuff really contributes to being able to sort and organize things for me anyways, in a way that I can spend time in all the key areas of life that I think there are. And when I do that and I spend my time equally, I found my overall level of happiness just keeps rising, rising, rising. My overall quality of life keeps rising. And at the same time, what's really odd is my work gets more and more effective as I shorten down the amount of time that I actually work in a day. Could you explain what that principle is and and any other practical tips or strategies you would recommend to help people avoid burnout and make sure they do have balance? Yeah. So what I always look for is patterns in life. And I try to find like patterns that have balance in them. Okay. So we have a 24-hour day. And if you divide 24 by three, you get three eight-hour segments And it's kind of odd that, you know, our normal workday is typically scheduled around eight hours. And so I really started to think about that. And as I thought about like the days that I would work no more than eight hours, I usually felt pretty good on those days. And then I like to analyze my sleeping patterns. And I also found out that on the days when I slept eight hours, I felt pretty dang good. So that left me with a third set of eight hours in a day. And I figured, well, if I'm going to balance my day out, then I should spend no more than eight hours working. I should spend eight hours sleeping and I should spend eight hours doing whatever the heck I feel like doing for the day. (laughs) You know, whether that's spending time with family, doing stuff for myself, just sitting, thinking, reading a book, whatever it is. If you, I found that if I balance out my day like that, I usually have a pretty damn good day when that happens. And now what I'm working on doing is figuring out how to, Take some, you know, and, and I'm at the place where I work probably four or five hours on average a day. And so I've just been taking time out of that bucket and moving it over into either my sleep bucket or my do whatever I feel like doing bucket. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So I know that one of the principles you live by is looking at every situation from an and mentality rather than Mm -hmm. an or mentality. Mm -hmm. Could you explain what that means and, and how our listeners can use that mental shift to get more out of their lives? Yeah, this one's really huge. When I tell people this, it's usually a pretty aha moment for them because I've had the pleasure of speaking with literally tens of thousands of entrepreneurs now over the years. And what I hear oftentimes from people is when they come to me, they ask me for advice. They'll say, hey, Jason, should I do this or this? And if you think about it, that's how everybody thinks about it. They say, should I do this or this? And oftentimes, 
both of those solutions or ideas are really good ideas. And there's absolutely nothing that will prevent you from doing both of them at the same time. And this applies not only in your business, it applies in your personal relationships as well. It applies in a lot of areas of your life. And so what I always do is I tell my clients, I say, hey, let's not look at this as an or situation where you got to do one or the other. Let's look at this as an and situation and let's do both. It's powerful. Could you give an example of you know, a time where you've really applied that in your life and it's helped you to you know, get something that you wanted? Well, I mean, the easiest is probably just going to be like, you know, ad campaigns and funnels and stuff like that. Because I I get clients that'll come to me and they'll say, well, should I do a lead magnet or should I do a webinar? And it's like, well, let's do both. (laughs) (laughs) Should I use this color scheme or that color scheme? Well, why don't you do one version with it and another with the other one and test it out, right? There's a lot of that that you can apply in your life. I can't come up with a good personal one off the cuff, but I'll get back to you with one. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I know that when we first started our coaching, I had this mentality around, you know, wanting to spend time growing my business and also wanting to be able to enjoy my passions. You know, the big one is, is horseback riding. And you really challenged me to figure out how I could do both of those things at the same time. And so when you make time for something, you're able to make things happen in a way that you don't when you just kind of leave it up to chance. Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing that I'll add on to this whole idea, I guess, and this, this actually, this is a good personal example. So, and I'll talk from Heather's perspective now, who is, you know, is my wife and everybody else now knows that. So like Heather will, you know, oftentimes look at things in our personal lives and, and she'll want to look at it as an or situation and think that she needs to do one thing over the other, like she couldn't do like the horseback riding and work on the business at the same time, right? So she does the same thing all the time. And we just go ahead and reframe those things so that what we do is we schedule our time to make it work right. Because what she would usually do is she would think, okay, well, this other thing is more important because it's for somebody else or it's my work or whatever. And she would put that over it and not schedule the other thing that was for herself. And so what we do is we are really good about scheduling all of our stuff. And the first thing we do each week is we take the things that we want to do personally and we schedule those things in. Then what we do is we put our work around that. And we find that when you do that, it's very easy to make your personal life and your work life an and situation instead of an or situation. Because that's what a lot of entrepreneurs will do is they think, well, I got to make my business my life and I can't do my personal stuff anymore. And then you spend all your time in your business and you either get successful and you got all these other areas that don't work or you start to hate your business because <laughs> it's not letting you do the stuff you really want to do. So you have to schedule in the personal time to keep to create the bacon that balance from the beginning. Otherwise, you get out of whack and it's really hard to come back into alignment when you're out of whack. It's so common, you know, we're all familiar with scheduling our work priorities into our calendar and, you know, meetings and calls and all of these things, but actually taking the time to schedule your personal priorities is something that very few people do. And so I hope that everyone listening is able to take that because that's something you can start doing tomorrow that'll just have a huge impact on your fulfillment and satisfaction. It it will. And for Heather, like she, when she implemented this, it was life-changing for her. Like she didn't realize how because she thought that if she did her personal stuff, she wouldn't have time to do her work or she wouldn't have enough time to do her work. And what happened was, is it, and this is what it did for me, 
Is it forced her to be more focused in her scheduled time for work because she knew she didn't have this flex time where she could just kind of screw off and it made her even more effective in her work. And so now she actually gets things done faster and even better in less time than she would before. And it's because she's forcing herself to do things for herself that she likes. (laughs) I love that. But that's how it works. Mm -hmm. So moving on to some of the ways that you've chosen to give back over your life, what cause would you say that you're most passionate about and why is that? Hmm, That's a tough one. I would have to say it's a toss up between, uh, you know, we do some work with this Children's Hunger Relief Fund. You know, and then what they do is, you know, provide food and water for children in Africa and the starving nations over there where that access isn't as easy. That's always had a special place in my heart because, you know, access to food is just so easy over here, right? And people take it for such granted, you know, like you see people go out to restaurants and they'll throw away heaping piles of food that would feed like a little child in Africa for like two months, with the amount of food. That's always been a special place in my heart. And then another one is Pathways Discipleship Ministries, which is a ministry on the Davis-Monthan Air Force Base in Tucson that I helped my friend Bob Gibson start. And we're, I'm on the board of directors of that, and we contribute quite a bit to that ministry. So those are the, the two that I would say are the nearest and dearest to me. And is giving back something that you've always done or something that you began once you hit some given you know, level of success? No, I like for me, one thing that I, how I'm wired is I really enjoy giving. And so it's never really been an issue for me to give. When we were younger and we had less money, how we would give was with our time and our talents. So, you know, we'd volunteer for different things. I was pretty heavily involved in our church. I used to go do this thing called serving the city construction project uh, team. So we would go around to, uh, like elderly women's homes and we would rake their yards and clean up around the house and stuff for them and, and things like that. And then I've always given to, you know, Christian organizations and stuff like that, even when we didn't make a lot of money. And then as we've made more, we just keep expanding out the different things that we do and contributing to different things that have meaning to us in our lives, not only with money, but with our time and stuff as well. Absolutely. So when you think back on everything that you've done, you know, what has been your most meaningful or fulfilling moment or experience for you? Having children. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. And you know, is there anything that you've done to really instill in your kids the importance of giving back and contributing to others? Yeah, we have them participate in a lot of the stuff that we do. And that has a really big impact on them. So we do some things around the holidays privately as a family to really help out a lot of uh, people that are in need in the local area and they contribute to those. And we've been able to have some really, really, really incredibly impactful experiences as a result of that. And then we do a lot of traveling as a family. So we usually try to help people when we're out and about and stuff like that. I mean, you know, a lot of times we'll stop, we see a homeless person on the street, we'll go get them a subway sub and bring it to them and stuff like that. So they get to experience that and they really enjoy that. And I think it's more a more enriching thing for their lives to participate in that. There's so much you can do, you know, all of us can do every day if you just open your eyes and and look for ways that you can help. So that's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Well, Jason, thank you for everything that you've shared with us today. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. So I'd like to move into what I call the impact round. So I'm going to ask you a series of short questions and I'd like you to basically respond with the first answer that pops into your head. You ready? All righty, let's do it. All right. So who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well? Heather. 
Love it. And who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good? Heather. (laughs) And when you are having a bad day, what do you do to get yourself out of the funk? I don't have bad days. Mindset thing, I'm sure. It's all about how you think about things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There you go. And what book do you find yourself recommending to people most often? The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Could you share a little bit about that book? Yeah. So it's a great, great little read. And basically what Ryan does is teach people how to look at each situation from the positive angle and figure out how you can leverage any obstacle into the path forward in your life, which is really kind of the essence of everything that I've been talking about today. And I know I've read that one as well, and it is indeed powerful. So very, uh, very good one for anyone listening. Then what is one thing on your bucket list? I don't have a bucket list. (laughs) I've literally never made a bucket list. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. And then what is the worst piece of advice you've received related to success? And then what is the best piece of advice that you would give our listeners? Worst piece of advice is fake it until you make it. And the best piece of advice I actually already gave, so I'll repeat it. It's money is an exchange of value. And if you want to make more money, create more value. Excellent. And lastly, Jason, before we say goodbye, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and to follow your content? Best place would be jasonhornung.com. So that's J-A-S-O-N-H-O-R, N is in Nancy, U, N is in Nancy, G is in George.com. We're publishing up all kinds of new content on that site now and people can contact us and buy our stuff if they want to buy stuff from us. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, we will definitely link to that in the show notes. Jason, as you know, you have made such a massive impact on my life through your coaching and mentorship. So I really couldn't be more thrilled to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Dorothy. I appreciate you. Well, everyone, that's our show. Before we sign off from our chat with Jason, I want to introduce any new listeners to the Do Well and Do Good Challenge. If the Children's Hunger Relief Fund or any of the other nonprofits shared by our guests touches your heart, make a contribution and then send a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co. Your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having in making the world a better place. And as for me, well, each month I will be donating 10% of my after-tax income to whichever one of the nonprofits that you vote for inside of our free Facebook community. Not only will we host the vote inside of our Facebook group, but I'll also be sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. Head to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook to join. That's do well, A-N-D, do good, dot C-O, backslash Facebook. In the group, you'll also find a link to my calendar where we can schedule a time to chat one-on-one about your goals, your ambitions, and how I can make this show more valuable to you. I'll see you there, and thanks for listening.